And we are going live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Winchab. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, all right, all right. All right, we have plenty to talk about today. A bunch of like smaller news that we're going to get into, not like big news like last week, but a bunch of interesting stuff. And uh, and Seth has some uh, personal news in this EV fleet uh, happening. <laughs> His personal EV fleet is changing, so we're going to get into that too later on and how, how that's going to happen. Uh, we don't have a sponsor this week, but uh, we we can remind you that the last week of June and the first week of July, we're going to be in Kansas in Topeka, Kansas, for the Electric Solar Race Challenge, which is a very cool event where we, um, not we, but a bunch of school, a lot of uh, student engineers in different schools all around the country and, and Canada too. Uh, is there an international team beyond Canada in the U.S.? I think there is another team. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's somebody from like Europe or something. Okay, okay. but mainly the U.S. and Canada, they are building solar cars or solar vehicles uh, and racing them uh, for to test their efficiency. And uh, it's, it's something that has been happening for years and a lot of companies in the EV world, especially Tesla, uh, has recruited for them. So it's a very cool thing that Electric is sponsoring right now. And you can come check it out. Uh, it's uh, over a whole week, uh, the end of June, uh, the end of June and the in early July in Heartland Raceway at Topeka, Kansas. Check it out. Uh, all right. Let's uh, jump in. I'm going to share my screen a real quick so that we can get to the news. There you go. All right. We're going to start out with this thing that earlier this week has uh, created some rumors, some speculation, and that's the Cybertruck with a very cool-looking camouflage, I got to say. It's, um, it's a wrap job, and we, uh, we've seen plenty of Cybertruck prototypes over the last... Um, last uh, three years, basically, but more so, obviously, over the last year as Tesla gets closer to production. Uh, and Tesla never bothered to camouflage the car. Now, camouflage is something very common in the auto industry for prototypes ahead of production, but not so much for Tesla. Tesla virtually never used it other than more recently for the Model 3, but that makes a little bit more sense because Model 3 is a car that is currently in production, Tesla doesn't want to have uh, it's the Osborne effect, right? Is that it? Yeah, yep. the Osborne effect, where when a new version of a product is coming or a new product altogether uh, can affect the sales of the existing products currently in sales. So they want to hide that stuff. Um, and and Tesla's camouflage on that new Model Three is not traditional camouflage that you see in, on other automakers. And the main reason that Tesla does differ from the rest of the industry there, I would assume is because Tesla actually stick pretty close to a prototype unveiled and the production version. Like from the outside, there's not that much thing that changes. Uh, so Tesla doesn't bother um, camouflaging them. While the rest of the industry, the prototypes that they unveil versus the production version a year or two later can be wildly different. So it makes a little bit more sense to like keep something new for the launch or whatever. But now Tesla showed up this week with this prototype Cybertruck prototype with camouflage. And it's, uh, it's bringing a speculation that, uh, well, there's two theories here. The first one is Tesla is putting camouflage on it right now because this is the production version and they want to camouflage the production version for whatever reason, even though it looks pretty much like the prototypes we've seen, which is with a cool camo on. 
The other theory, and the one that I personally subscribe to, is uh, Tesla. And it might be a stretch too, but I feel like it's less of a stretch than the uh, the one that I just uh, presented to you. Is Tesla might be testing wraps on the Cybertruck, either testing them for longevity, uh, just exposure testing and all that, or maybe uh, just factory wrap testing, like the actual process, and then this one has made it out of... Uh, of the shop. So we know that uh, the Cybertruck is not going to be offered in any other color. It's going to be stainless steel only. And the way to change it, because you're going to have a million of their, uh, of these trucks around in a few years. Um, if you don't want them to all look the same, you're going to have to wrap them. Uh, and there's a possibility, Tesla opened the possibility of it, though they didn't confirm it, that they might offer to wrap themselves. And that would be obviously a big deal because it would lower the cost of wrapping the car. Even though I would, I would probably assume that the Cybertruck is going to be in the easier side, maybe in our wrapping, or, or or the sharp edge more difficult to wrap than the you rounded. Know, I think they're I, because they're flat. I think that might be easier, but I, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to think the same as you, but now that I think of it, maybe like cutting a sharp edge on a car might be more difficult to wrap. Maybe if we have any wrapping expert in the chat right now, you can uh, comment on that. But uh, I'm just, just, I just confused myself for a second. But I, would, um, I wouldn't be mad at that. And, and personally, I think this, this wrap looks pretty cool. Like it's like I'm of a more modern camo. So, okay, there's a third theory. So also people say that, that Tesla is testing the Cybertruck for, for the army or for military use. But let's be honest, uh, that's, no. uh, that's the help of the three theory. That's my last one. Uh, also, we recently reported for the first one, the theory that this is a production version. We did report that Tesla doesn't plan to have release candidates of the Cybertruck until um, the end of August, until around the last week of August. So uh, I would be surprised if this is anywhere near. Well, I mean, the, the prototypes that we're seeing are pretty close to production version, but it's not, it's not a release candidate just yet. I have a, a fourth theory. Go ahead. This is, this is a deep fake. <laughs> and uh, if you scroll to the bottom, the, there's like a three-year-old uh, Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You showing that. That looked exactly... Not exactly, but... I don't slang up, bang. I just... Oh, pretty... <laughs> I cannot play it. I don't know how to remove the sound on this thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it is the similar, very similar design of camo. But it is, it is a render. Camo. Yeah, yeah. That's a render. And this one, even though the Cybertruck in real life kind of looks like a render, it has been spotted like two or three times, and I think four times even uh, this week. So uh, yeah. I, it would be quite the feat to uh, coordinate all that CGI. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's exciting. Like uh, if you were to get a cyber truck, you, you'd think you'd just leave it stainless steel or do, would, you, would you wrap it? Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on how much the wrap costs and if it I, you don't really need protection on stainless steel i guess yeah you don't need it but i i think my main concern will literally be like there's just too many like maybe not a year from now but like two three four years from now it, it's gonna be way too many stainless steel cyber trucks out there no yeah i guess i guess it would be cool to differentiate it a little bit yeah i mean if it's easy and not crazy expensive it would be it would be kind of cool to do Ah, it's going to be a few thousand dollars for sure. It's kind of like the Tesla's paint upgrades. Or right. We can maybe do like the electric color grade. Yes. Yes. We'll do something like that. And we'll write it off. <laughs> All right. Uh, next news is uh, Tesla's is offering 
free superchargers, three months of free supercharging actually on a new Model 3. Um, inventory new Model 3. Again, that's always the difference with Tesla lately when it does an incentive on the Model 3. It's on a new inventory vehicle and not on the custom orders, which leads, uh, leads us to believe that Tesla is liquidating the new inventory ahead of the refresh coming. And now adding to that is Tesla put a deadline on this one. So it's a new inventory orders delivered by June 30th. Of course, that'll also match the end of the quarter. But this time, but it's also just for new inventory. So there's still there's still some waiting on the uh, on the refresh uh, side of things. So we were already suspecting that the refresh was coming right at the beginning of next quarter. So this is adding to speculation. Obviously, three months of free supercharging as an incentive is nothing uh, nothing quite significant. Like unless you're a heavy supercharger user, like the, this is worth a few hundred bucks of. Uh, of incentives. All right, this is an interesting one that came out today. Tesla has filed a new patent for a steer-by-wire system. And uh, we've been reporting for that for a little bit, but this is the first time that a patent has showed up. So in 2020, I, uh, I found out that Tesla was building a team in Austin, a team for a new mortar and gear team. And uh, the specific goal was to develop a new steer-by-wire system. And then a, a year later, Elon confirmed it amid like some of the controversy around the yoke steering wheel when the yoke steering wheel came out in 2021 and people complained about uh, the, um, the turning ratio being the same as the round steering wheel, even though it's not ideal because of the shape of the wheel, that uh, Tesla is working on the steer-by-wire progressive steering that would be adapted for the yoke, but he said it was still a few years away. Now, the Cybertruck has been rumored to be the first truck, the first vehicle of Tesla to get this tier by wire. And now it's getting a little bit closer to reality with Tesla having this patent file that shows that they have a technology for it. You have a little drawing here that shows the system. And uh, unlike some of the other systems that still rely on um, mechanical linkage as, uh, as backup, Tesla has like two electronic systems instead. So if one fails, the other takes over. So they have like zero mechanical linkage. It's all just steer by wire. And they, they, they also added that the system can further include a set of position sensor assemblies, including two magnetic and one inductive sensor assemblies. So it's um, they're going full on steer by wire here. And uh, the Cybertruck makes sense, especially in the prototypes that we've seen. Uh, the dash position is, uh, is very open at the bottom, which... Uh, points to a different sort of steering column or lack thereof. Uh, so it could, it could make sense that the Cybertruck ends up with one. Would you trust oh. this steer-by-wire? I, I mean, just in what, in what sense? I don't um, know. Just like if you're driving around and, you know, you're going 65 miles per hour and, you know, some, sometimes things don't go so well. Like power steering goes out. And I feel like steer by wire could be like, I don't know, a little bit more dangerous. I mean, you could. Well, they do have the redundancy of them. Um, I think it's something that will people will build confidence into pretty quickly. I feel like. Uh, I mean, the the thing you always hear with steer by wire is people like being scared of like hacking the car. Right. Then a hacker could get access to the steering, but there's already that in virtually every car out there, even though you still have mechanical linkage, you have actuators that control the steering wheel and everything. So on right. the hacking side of things, if you have a concern about that, you should have a concern with 
basically any car other than I think the Lada is the only car that is purely mechanical at this point. So, uh, in terms of the actual like um, reliability of the of the step by wire, I feel like that's something that you can nail pretty well, and you just you need redundancy. There's just no no way around that. Oh, Tesla updated us this week on the number of power walls installed. And what was that? Um, and it's uh, it's growing fast. So we've been tracking that. Tesla sporadically released some some like milestone for the power walls. And the first one was a hundred thousand units in 2020. So it took it took them about four years of deployment to get a hundred thousand units. They got to the second hundred thousand, so two hundred thousand total. Um, a year later, so it took them just a year to deploy 100,000. November 2021 was when they reached 250,000. So it, it took them uh, six years from launching the power wall to reaching 250,000 units. How much did it take? I mean, how much time did it take to get from the next 250,000 units? So 500,000 total, uh, less than two years, about 18 months. So this is a, a very good ramp up. And uh, that's thanks partly to the um, Gigafactory Nevada's ramp up. We learned last year that Tesla was producing as many as 6,500 power walls per week. Of course, that's like the production capacity. Like it's not produced at 100% efficiency all the time. So because it would be a little bit more than 250,000 units a year. But still, um, at the current efficiency, that's what they're deploying. And it's not just that. It's not just the production, obviously. The power wall, I think, I mean, depending on supply, battery supply constraint, which goes up and down all the time, the installation, I would assume, is the biggest uh, bottleneck. But Tesla has been expanding a lot lately to um, to, to have more third-party certified installers install the power wall. So that, I think, has been a, a big game changer for them. So what's their, like, if, if Tesla's global virtual power network, how big is it right now? If they got 500,000 power walls at, what are they, like, seven? Well, yeah, it depends. That's the thing. It depends on which one because they have several different models with different capacity. But I think seven is probably a good, uh, a good average. So yeah, that would be three point five gigawatt of output. Gigawatt or? Yeah. Well, I go by gigawatt because it would be kilowatt, then gigawatt, then I think it's terawatts, isn't it? It's three point five million. Kilowatt, right? So, so it was a hundred hundred thousand. If it was a thousand, it would be gigawatts, kilo giga. But I did five hundred thousand power walls times seven kilowatts. No. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's like that would be the power output of the yeah. entire fleet. Three point five gigawatt of output makes sense. All right. I mean, it's nothing compared to the mega packs, but it's completely distributed, and uh, and both advantage the homeowners and through the virtual power plant, which is a great great segue into our next uh, our, our next post here, um, where Tesla confirmed. Well, actually, uh, Drew Baglino, who commented on Twitter, so it's a rare time that. Uh, Someone other than Elon Musk of uh, Tesla is uh, revealing things about Tesla on Twitter. He confirmed that uh, Tesla has, is preparing to launch new virtual power plant in Puerto Rico and in Texas. So he even, even revealed the current, we're just talking about the fleet capacity of the power wall. 
clicked on this my mistake uh, that um, in Puerto Rico alone you have 350 megawatts of power output so it's quite significant for a relatively small um, territory Puerto Rico is a territory yeah yeah um, so yeah and they, they, they need it a lot uh, like it, right now it's it's basically just making the life of those homeowners that have the power wall or also a lot of business owners to have them. Um, but if you can bend them together, you can actually save the grid uh, on some brown, um, some brownouts like that happen when the, there's surge in, in demand. So there's a lot of, uh, of things that the Ketasa can do there in, in terms of helping the electric grid. And then obviously you can, uh, with through the virtual power plant, you can compensate these people that, bought the uh, the power wall and same thing in texas but in texas we, we kind of we knew it was coming because tesla has a lot of plans for tesla electric in, in texas because tesla has launched a new division there because it's an electricity retailer officially in texas and uh, they have their unlimited overnight charging of course but now they are moving also to have a virtual power plant and i would assume that they have also a lot of uh, power wall owners in in, in texas because uh uh, last few years, uh, Texas had, had some issues in, in both the summer and the winters too, and uh, <laughs> their electric grid. So uh, it's every, every place is like you should probably see a huge surge in demand in places where they have uh, brownouts or blackouts due to uh, weather and also due to just like the grid being overloaded. All right, we have a few more news items to discuss. But before that, I want to remind everyone, if you do enjoy the Electric Podcast, if you can give us a like, it takes a second, just smash that like button. Actually, maybe not smash it. I'm not responsible for any damage, but you can just say click, works perfectly fine. It takes a second of your time and it helps the show a lot more than you can imagine. You can actually subscribe, uh, hit the notification button. And if you're listening right now to the podcast app, if you can just stop in the ratings of your app, if it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, Google Podcasts, uh, you can just give us a five-star rating. If you do enjoy the show, only if you think we deserve it, uh, it helps the show a lot too. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Moving on, the Tesla Ohm charging station has got a little bit of a price increase and uh, it's starting to add up because there was another price increase earlier this year. So it basically up 30% this year. Um, and Tesla cannot blame inflation too much because last year it went, it went down a lot too. So I'm not sure what Tesla was trying to do here. Uh, if you remember when Tesla first announced NAX as the standard, they slashed the price of the wall connector it also came at the time that Tesla also stopped offering the mobile connector uh, as part of uh, every car that they, they sold. So it, it created a different landscape when you buy a Tesla. Uh, so you needed to to buy a mobile connector or or, or, or a wall connector or both or what, whatever the situation. You, you couldn't just rely on the included mobile connector, which a lot of people would do. Like I, st- I still do with my Model 3. I Same. Yeah. So you know, I don't need much. Of course, Seth and I have a different need than most people. We don't have a commute every day and all that. But still, it's doable. It's completely doable. Now you have to find a different solution. And the wall connector is a very sensible solution because in terms of pricing, it was already good at 500 bucks when Tesla was selling last year uh, before the price cut. Because uh, at 48 amps, there's not a lot of 48 amps Wi-Fi capable connectors out there. It starts much higher pricing than that. 
you have some s- solution around that applies and cheaper solution, but most of them they cap out at 30 amps, which is also good. Like it, it, especially uh, depending on your situation with your uh, electric panels and and also where you want to install the charger, how much cable you're gonna need. A lot of times you're good just capping it at 30 amps because uh, it's going to cost you a lot cheaper to installation too. But at the same time, Tesla was making NACS the standard. And now it was getting interesting because it was a big, Tesla was also selling its wall connector with a J1772 connector, which is based on the CCS combo. So Tesla was creating like the discrepancy between the CCS and its own charger, which had, um, at one point, was selling it for $350 in December. So that was like a $200 difference between the two, the exact same chargers with just different connectors. So Tesla was kind of showing the the, uh, the difference there. And, but now it creeped back up earlier this year to $425. And this week, it went back to $475. So I don't know exactly how to read into that. Uh, a more than a hundred dollar increase over the last uh, six seven months. I mean, could have... it be as simple as that? They're just you know their inventory. Uh, mm-hmm. They just they just want to lower and keep their inventory at almost zero. Yeah, you you know what else I'm thinking too? What's that? Uh, just a little breeder for charging station companies because now with the switch to Nax, uh, like yeah. obviously all the Tesla connectors are going to be a lot more popular. Right. Uh, so like literally like you could be soon buying a Ford and be thinking like, I might as well just buy, like I'm, I buy a Mustang mach and I buy a, a wall connector to go, a Tesla wall connector to go with it. Like that could make sense soon because of the cost. Like if you compare it to J1772 chargers, they're much more expensive. Uh, so now at least with that price up a little bit, it's uh, more competitive, even though I think even at 475, I think the Tesla wall connector might still be the best option right now, to be honest. Yeah. The the only thing that maybe other people think about is, uh, the length of the cable. Uh, some of the other manufacturers have like, I'm going to say like 25, 30 foot cables. Oh, this is a 24 foot. Yeah. It's decent. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I actually like Tesla's cables. They're usually a little thinner and more flexible than uh, the other manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Tesla does a good job. Like they, uh, I mean, obviously they have been thinking about this a lot longer. They've been building these forever. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, an order of magnitude more uh, applications. So makes sense. Yeah, I have a wall connector installed at my parents' house. Has to be six years ago at this point. Still working perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, Elon gave us a little bit of an update on Tesla Semi production this week. Not too big of a surprise here. The uh, the CEO said that uh, the company doesn't expect to begin producing its new electric semi truck in larger volume until the end of next year. So that's uh, different than the fifty thousand units um, in twenty twenty four. That he talked about before, and when he said that, we were already like, eh, "Really? Like it's? It didn't sound. It sound even even for Elon, it sounded overly optimistic." Um, <laughs> and uh, th- this one is actually a bad look for him, I think, because like it, it's almost sound like when he said that, which was last year, when he was about to start, when when they were starting production of the truck, 
uh, he thought like they could grimp up to 50,000 units within two years. Uh, and now he's backing up to no, no, actually, we won't even start to ramp up until late that year. Um, it's uh, it kind of he wasn't really aware where the program was at. Obviously, there's some change. It's planned a bunch of time with the Tesla semi-production. Electric first reported that Tesla had a small, low-volume production line in the building outside of the Nevada um, in, in 2022 that, as far as we know, is able to produce max five units per week, so it's nothing. And, um, and at first, Tesla was thinking of moving production to Texas, to Austin, but earlier this year, they announced that instead they're going to build it in an expansion of Giga, Gigafactory Nevada, um, which makes sense, but the expansion is yet to materialize, so it doesn't make sense that uh, Tesla would ramp up anytime soon. So yeah, if Tesla produced more than like a thousand truck in 2024, I would be I would be surprised because it would it would require the expansion to happen fast, like by the end of this year, and then build that production line throughout 2024 and start producing on that production line because on the current one you cannot get to a thousand units a year. But something to keep an eye on because even though even though it's not like a big like volume vehicle, like Tesla literally like makes more uh, Model Y in a month than than it will ever do uh, in a year with the um, so same in like an hour or a day. Yeah, right maybe now. even. So I think proportionally though for emissions, semi trucks are are much bigger contributors. So every one that you take off the road and you replace by this one. That's uh, that that that's a big deal. So yeah. uh, for that, if, for, so I'm I'm really excited. Like when when that ramp up is like, is going to happen, I'm going to be all over it. I'm really happy about that. Um, we also had this week a little bit of tiny little news to the another recall of the Tesla Semi. It was a, a software recall, but still an official one to the and its uh, um, details, which confirmed to us that Tesla is now 36 uh, Tesla Semi as of March. And up one from February, so like the production is is extremely slow right now, which which makes sense because they're still like testing out the early releases one. So uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not super surprised by it. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Uh, moving on, some exclusive news coming from our own set Wintraub. Um, so I'm a little bit worrying, but it looks like in your report you you kind of uh, quench the worries about uh, Rivian acquiring the company behind the better route planner yeah so uh for for people who don't know a better route planner is a uh really handy tool for uh routing to uh you know cross country we're going to need to charge because they have uh, a really good database of chargers a really good database of you know the how how well or how how much energy it takes to get from one to another lots of different cars lots of different variables um, and a few companies already use them. Uh, Polestar 2 uh, has a better route planner built into its uh, system. And so does, uh, there's a couple European cars, I think, uh, Cupra or something. Anyway, uh, we had gotten word about, I don't know, three months ago uh, that Rivian was working with uh, better route planner and that they were looking to buy them. But it was kind of a uh, uh, anonymous tip. We didn't really have much to go on. Um, fast forward, uh, there was a guy on Reddit who uh, had a similar thing, and I went 
kind of down a rabbit hole with him. Uh, he told me, you know, who the person was and all the, all the stuff. And then, um, you know, I, I kind of, uh, got Rivian to, you know, like when you call Rivian and they point, well, when I, I called the guy, the CEO of ABRP, Bo, his phone number is like on the, on the uh, website. So I was like, Hey, do, Hey Bo, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I can't really talk about that. You got to call Rivian. And I was like, okay, this sounds, sounds like something's happening. So, um, when I talked to Rivian, they put me in charge of their European policy guy. So this is all sounding like something's mm-hmm. going to happen. Anyway, uh, I got it confirmed. Uh, and we ran the story yesterday. My understanding is that they're probably going to announce it within a week. It might even happen like later today over the weekend or early next week. Um, and I think like, uh, you know, we're not at liberty to talk about it, but I think there's going to be more announcements with that. And, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of stuff going on in the the charging space right now. Uh, a lot of companies are consolidating on stuff. But I think Rivian wants to become like a, you know, a leader in the EV space in terms of like, hey, use our tools, use our chargers. Um, we want we want to be like a, a resource for all EV owners, not just um, not just Rivian owners. And, you know, that's a good way of marketing yourself, getting new customers, perhaps, um, you know, we're going to, it sounds like Rivian's going to be sharing its adventure network. So good way to get people into that. And then, you know, there's some precedent in the industry. Um, PlugShare or the company that owns PlugShare got bought by EVgo, the charging network um, previously. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, my understanding is that they're very far along in integrating a uh, better route planner into uh, Rivian's own uh, mapping system. Um, it's not going to replace, it's not going to be like, you know, pull out that, put in this, but it's going to use the backend information to route plan for Rivian. And I think Rivian, if, if I understand their intentions, right. Um, I think Rivian wants to kind of give this to other, um, EV makers. So, you know, maybe they make it part of the Rivian app and you can, you know, make it part of CarPlay and Android Auto, which is, would be ironic because, you know, Rivian wants no part of uh, CarPlay and Android Auto uh, for better or worse. But you could see them, uh, you know, right now a better route planner is available on the Polestar 2 via Android for automobiles. So it's all kind of uh, questionable, but what they want to do with this. But we've known from the beginning that Rivian wants to be more than just, you know, a electric vehicle manufacturer. And a lot of that um, aspiration has to do with mapping. Um, You know, they, they're, they're mapping, not just roads, but off roads. They, they want to take all their vehicle data and kind of do what Tesla's done, or you could even say Google uh, has done as well as using the data they get from their users to build out these, you know, robust up-to-date maps. So all that added together means that uh, Rivian's going to be a, a bigger player in the general EV world, uh, theoretically, as soon as next week. Nice. Yeah, if there's anything that comes out that we can officially report, it's going to be on electric first. You know it. All right, still on Rivian. Uh, there was some news today about the um, sh- should I say shift to production of the from R1T to R1S or 
a more focus on R1S production versus the R1T as uh, Rivian sees strong demand for it. So it came out of uh, Rivian CFO uh, Claire McDonough uh, from that she was the, giving an interview at the Deutsche Bank. Um, I think it was like a conference. Well, yeah, a karmic environment conference. And um, yeah, the, the um, she basically explained that uh, the focus from is because the focus have been primarily on the R1T. Uh, do they split? Their production and, and deliveries. Uh, yeah, result? I mean that—that's what she said. She yeah. she was like, uh, "We can do all R one Ts, or we can do our all R one Ss. Yeah. We can kind of mix it up depending on what uh, what our customers are demanding." I will say it does like there's a lot of signs pointing to Rivian running low on demand for R one Ts. The time period it takes to get an R1T is now like two weeks or less. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having that event uh, tomorrow, I believe, in normal, uh, where you basically just show up and you get an R1T. If you know, obviously, you have to buy it and everything, but it's kind of like you know a car dealer kind of experience. Although there's like one in the whole U.S. And it sounds like from this that they're switching over to R1Ss. Um, I will say so you know, this is getting into the personal stuff. Um, I had a R1S that was scheduled to be delivered from October to December. And I got the call yesterday uh, saying, hey, uh, configure your R1S. So I don't know, that's one, two, three, four, five months early. Um, Or, you know, four or five months early, which is kind of weird for Rivian um to underestimate it by that much i and i saw somebody else on reddit who all or i think it might have twitter uh that also had an early r1s uh um call but you know i i also like i had made a kind of a you know i'm driving a uh, r1s loaner right now and i was at the thing saying hey why are you you know going through all the the trouble of getting me a loaner when you could just deliver my vehicle um and also, hey, I would like to drive a Rivian to the the Electrek Formula Sun event in Kansas. Like, since you can't get my vehicle to me, can I drive a loaner out there? And they're like, uh, let's see, you know, let's see what we can do. So I don't know if uh, I'm getting a favor here, which, you know, to Rivian's credit, like they've given us nothing, like zero. I mean, you you had an order in on day one, Fred, and, and they you're still not. Get, you haven't gotten your your truck yet, but that's I think. I mean, I have my configuration, and they can like they don't. Well, that's basically because they don't have a service center in Quebec, though. But right, you would think they would have one by now because they have some in Canada already, just not in right. Quebec. There was some uh, job postings though in Quebec, so it looks like they're working toward it. But the job posting is there until the building building a service center is a little bit more than that. So, um. For me, it's looking like I'm gonna have to cancel it and get the cyber truck because it's getting like too close to it a little bit. Interesting. I'm um, getting there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll have a. They could have. Of, what I'm saying is, like, they truck. could have gotten me if they like delivered it sooner. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. Um, but that'll give us an opportunity to do like a tug of war uh, yeah. with my Rivian and your cyber truck. So. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, and you know what's funny is that. Uh, you know, when I got the Rivian, I was like, mm, this is kind of nice, but we don't go off-roading like super often. Mm-hmm. And like for our family, like I think aerodynamics would probably be a higher priority. So the Volvo EX90 is kind of like, that seems like a pretty good 
you know, trade for R1S. And I thought that was coming at the end of this year. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll get rid of the R1S thing. But my wife was like, nope, we're not, we're, we're keeping the R1S and we're actually getting this color and not that color. So she, she, my, my wife is now the R1S owner, I guess. And not, you know, I'm going to be I'm stuck the... with a poor model Y. Woo-hoo. No, I'm going to have the Chevy Bolt. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Until my right. kid takes it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. We have one more news to discuss, and then we're jumping into the comments section. So if you guys have any question for us, any new subject in the AV world that you want us to discuss or any question about what we did uh, discuss today, put them in the comments section right now. We're going to get to it in just a few seconds because the last piece of news is um, – now, another great one, the uh, GM is sort of walking back. It's promised to change the battery pack to do battery pack replacement over the fire risk recall that happened a few years ago. Now they're doing a software diagnostic instead. Can you pl- explain that to us? Yeah, so uh, when they came up with the solution for the recall, all 2017 to 2019 batteries were going to be replaced, but um, they kind of left the wording open a little bit um, where they said that bad modules in the 2020 to 2022 models would be replaced modules, not full battery packs. Mm-hmm. But uh, over the past over a year uh, it, they've been replacing full battery packs and it, it doesn't have to do with, you know, it doesn't seem to have to do with anything in particular, just like which, uh, dealers can do it first and had had the room to do it. So this news comes out. People have been buying and selling bolts with the expectation that they would be getting a new battery pack. Uh, you know, I, I kind of get GM side on this because like they said, like very small percentage of the, uh, the 2020 to 2022 bolts had bad battery packs and they didn't say what percent. So is that point zero zero one or point one or twenty percent? I don't know, uh, but they said a very small percentage had the problem. Um, I offered, you know, in my great, great, uh, you know, skill set of like, hey, why not get out in front of it, communicate better, offer a warranty like you did get it replaced. So like, uh, you know, if you bought a twenty twenty. And this replacement program started in 2022, offer a warranty starting in 2022. And then the other thing is like this diagnostic software requires a bolt owner to continue to only charge to 80% and only discharge to like 20% for another, uh, I think 10,000, 6,000 or 10,000 miles. So it's kind of, kind of crappy. Like they should at least give these bolt owners that are affected, like, you know, free uh, OnStar and app usage and all, you know, all the other like little stuff. But no, they just like, nope, sorry, you're not getting that. Yeah, luck. You should have yeah. thought about it before buying a boat. Yeah, but before buying a GM car. You sh- yeah. You knew what you're getting into. Yeah, it's just not great. It's it's similar to what uh, Jaguar is doing, though. It's basically a copy-pasted, of what uh, Jaguar is doing with the iPace recall just now. So, yeah. I don't know if GM saw that and it was like, hey, if they can do that, we want to do that too. Or if, yeah, maybe, uh, just... maybe LG came up with that and, and was like, yeah, passing yeah, it out to all their vendors. That's probably a better theory right there. 
All right, that's all for the news uh, this week. We can jump into the comments section. All right. Uh, Peter says, which is worse, Toyota saying they will have a 900-mile electric vehicle by 2027? They won't. Or Elon saying we will have full self-driving in two weeks? We won't. I mean, he never said two weeks. The two, that was like an update. It wasn't full self-driving. Right. But I, I, get, I get the joke. Good one, Peter. All right. Uh, yeah, and um, Aptera. So we're, you know, we're having the uh, Formula Sun event in Kansas. Uh, we know that Aptera is going to join us. At least last time we checked, they are. So uh, if that's another added bonus, if you want to go to Kansas and see a bunch of solar racers, you're also going to get a chance to at least uh, check out the Aptera. I don't know if they're going to be giving rides and drives and stuff, but uh, mm. that that should be fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, Daniel DeYoung question. Does Seth now think Cybertrucks looks good and might be a hit with the wraps? You guys have differing opinions on likelihood of success. It's funny you asked that because I tweeted uh, after a long hiatus, I now am liking the Cybertruck design again after <laughs> seeing the uh, the wrap. Uh, so you're not you're not alone with that. Other people are like changing their mind with the Cybertruck both ways. It's, it's yeah, strange. It, it's such a polarizing like it is design that a lot and of it's people polarizing in my own brain. It's not yeah. even like it's not even like more than one person. I uh, mean, it, it must it do, it does something weird to the brain because the, the CGI in real life CGI thing is no joke. Like when yeah. you, you see it, I mean, when you see it in person too. Yeah, when you see it in person, it's it's strange to look at it. Like I when I saw it at the um, Peterson Museum, it's still there. By the way, if you're in LA, you can go see the Cybertruck at the Peterson Museum. I'm pretty sure it's still there. Um, it's 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 an experience. Yeah, and I wonder if uh, the wrapping thing is going to be something like you know you accessorize your car, like maybe you have a winter wrap and a summer wrap, or you know <laughs> it's expensive. like a fashion thing. <laughs> yeah, it's very expensive. But like, you know, you could see that being a thing, especially as wraps get better and cheaper and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Tesla revolutionized the wrap business. All right. Uh, Tony Rossi, I'm new to EVs. Is dealer markup above MSRP pretty common for cars with closed reservations, i.e. Chevy Blazer EV? Uh, sadly, I think it is pretty mm -hmm. common with uh, Chevy Blazers or anything Chevy. Uh they don't really have control over, over their dealers and their dealers are kind of just going hog wild. Uh, I like but, what Ford is doing on that front. Like when they, they, they try to rein that down, they see that, they see it, they see it coming, they see it happening. So there's a few automakers that they're, 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 they have, like, like Seth said, they don't have like the final prices between the dealership and the owner, but uh, they have some kind of uh, incentive or other way around, like, like punishment <laughs> that they can do. Like they can, they can mess with their allocations of, of vehicles if they if they get reports that they are being a little bit excessive with that. But then even that, like anything over MSRP is frustrating to a buyer. Like it's like this is the manufacturer's suggested price. Why am I paying more than that? Because the dealership wants to. Right. So yeah, this is a even though we we have plenty to say about Tesla's own pricing strategy, obviously. It's still, at the very least, at least you're paying the same price as the next guy. Right. Well, literally the next guy. Maybe but maybe not like the next day, but the right. next guy. Yeah, and not only do they just, you know, put put like markups on, but they'll put in stuff like, hey, we, we replaced the floor mats. That's 500 bucks. 
you know, we put in like, you know, some bogus like security system. That's another 500 bucks. So yeah, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with dealerships. Yeah. I mean, I have to say uh, the Rivian experience Mm -hmm. hasn't been too bad in that respect. All right. Question. Shanghai has approved for the land for Tesla expansion, but Beijing has not. This is, this is holding Tesla back from the small car in China, Mexico, and maybe India will be a workaround. What do you think? Well, they already said that Mexico, I think, is going to produce the next generation car. Now, that could be the robotaxi. That could be the cheap car. We don't, we don't, we don't know cheaper, I should say. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, I, I, think, I think Elon is, uh, was pushing for that, though, when he recently visited China. Uh, apparently, that was one of the issues that we are hearing that he was trying to, to resolve. Because there is this little plot of land that's just a few kilometers away from the existing factory. Because Tesla looks like it's running out of space right now. Get better, Shanghai. Pretty, pretty full. All right. Uh, Richard Cool says, Fred, nice job explaining the latest EV charging developments on Fast Money. Are you doing any other TV? Uh, I, I've been I've been saying no a lot of the times for to to TV spots like that. And to be honest, like I, I didn't like it that much too. Like this time, it's just. It's it's so short, you don't you don't really have to explain everything. I mean, at least with Fast Money, it, they are they are not hiding like their purpose of the show at all. It's like how does this affect the stocks? Like that's that's what they they do. And I do like I I, I play on the stock market and whatnot. So I, this is the kind of things I like. So I did say yes for this one because uh, I, I think it's interesting. But uh, for the most part, when, when they, they, they want me to jump on the show and I explain a very complex issue in like three-minute segments, it's like, oh, that's not, it's not great. So I don't do that that much. I love podcasts more. Uh, movie. We're doing a movie. So like, uh, oh, yeah. I don't know how much I can say about that. So, but uh, long, long-form stuff I perform better at. <laughs> All right, uh, Daniel DeYoung, question. Do you think the recent developments justify the rapid recovery of the share price, charging, price increases, Model 3 refresh, and Cybertruck? Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Uh, that's a, that's a, yeah, I don't know how much you can... Uh, it's just momentum or like that this charging, this snack stuff happening because I don't know how... I did post a report today of like Morgan Stanley trying to price the supercharger network into the stock which was an interesting um an interesting exercise but obviously like he, he has a scenario at like 12 dollars a stock contribution and one at 78 so it's like it's very wide um but but and elon apparently today said that uh he, again he's been saying that a lot that tesla stock it's it's autonomy that's driving the stock. It's the momentum of autonomy and everything. And obviously, there's on the stock market right now. There's kind of an AI bubble happening. Right. Um, so Elon throwing that in and keep repeating that Tesla is an AI company and uh, and all that. It's probably that creating that momentum. But I actually disagree with that. Like I don't I don't I don't think that uh, I, if Tesla solves autonomy, yes, obviously, like the it's going to be the biggest contributor to, to Tesla stock, but I don't like him to focus on that too much because the, what about selling? Okay. Let's say that the, he doesn't believe that Tesla can sell 20 million cars a year without autonomy. That might be the case. Uh, but I fairly confident Tesla, if they just keep 
ramping up production and the other automakers are lagging behind on the production capacity with the shift in mindset of consumers that buy new cars towards electric vehicles, I think they can send 10 million a year. And that's huge. There's no other automakers doing that. That's like giant business. And then you own the charging part behind it. You had the energy part behind it, not just the storage, but uh, the virtual power plants and stuff like Lista is like in a very nice position right now. Uh, autonomy is more like hopefully it happens. And if it does, yes. I mean, it's a trillion dollar company tomorrow and a three trillion dollar company within the next three years after the autonomy is solved. But it's a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think that, uh, Part of the thing is the Nax charging network. It looks it looks on on paper like GM and Ford are giving up on Electrify America, and you know, they kind of are. Um, and you know if Tesla can kind of run away with the the charging business of charging all EVs in in the U.S. and and theoretically beyond, like it's going to be. You know, there's going to be a, a lot of opportunity to make money, not just from charging, but also from like, you know, what goes on around charging. You have the whole, you know, gas station convenience store model. Yeah, that's um, right. So, you know, and right now Tesla can make a charger for a fraction of what it takes EA or EVgo to do. They're on just a different scale. They have like, um, you know, the cables are shorter. There's way less uh, technology involved. It's all done on the back end via apps. Um, they just really, you know, they're they're ahead. They've been doing this longer. They have, uh, they're at a different scale. So I, I get why the price is going up. It, it does make sense. Um, yeah. But on the charging side of things, so I was doing some math earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, we it's hard to... It's like so the the Morgan Stanley math, for example, they they made it too simple where they they just like put a percentage of mileage in the U.S. that is electric, and then they give a market share to Tesla. But the market share of Tesla supercharger on the total EV mileage is going to be relatively small. Uh, the market share of DC fast charging is going to be huge. I think like most likely majority, maybe like close to monopoly level like we mm-hmm. don't know exactly but like yeah, it's mo- gonna be between... most people are charging at home yeah so that that's the thing so like i don't know how big it is so i kept trying like to figure out like because i don't think the morgan stanley model is just works so what what i did find is the last time you remember tesla used to have these superchargers map and they would tell you in, in real time how many cars are charging a super station all around the world and they give you the exact kilowatt hour and everything so the last time Tesla had that was 2019. And at that time, that map tell, told us that Tesla was delivering 72 gigawatt hour a month of electricity through the supercharger network. That was in 2019. So I think right now it's, it's in the hundreds a month for sure. So I can see Tesla easily, um, easily being at, let's say, like 500 relatively soon. 500 gigawatt hour month, like it's not, it's not a wild like prediction. If they were at 72 in 2019, the fleet grows fast. Like the 2019 fleet is is uh, probably at least less than half than it is right now. But then you had now non-Tesla EVs and all that. It was it's going really fast. So at 500, 
uh, at 500 gigawatt hour a month at 30 cents, which is low. Like that would assume that they lower the price. Um, that's a, a $150 million a month of revenue. So that's a $1.8 billion business. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's huge. It's a good, it's yeah. a billion dollar business, but uh, it's not, it's, for Tesla, it's not a game changer for the valuation. That's what I'm saying. Correct. And that's global I'm talking about. Uh, right. but, but 500 is, is probably low. Like if you want to go like 2030, it, it might be uh, one terawatt. Uh, a month. I don't know. It's hard to guess. We, like I'm working on the last time we had the actual numbers of supercharger. Um, so yeah, I would I would actually say like I feel like Tesla's been doubling almost not doubling but close to doubling every year yeah. since 2019. So 20, 21, 22, and part of 23. It might, it might be already at 500 some months. It's like it's cyclical also. Like it's obviously right. cyclical. Like the, the charging. So. So yeah, it might already be at 500. I don't know. That's that's the problem. That's that's the guess because it's hard to determine what's the percentage of DC fast charging in right. the EV community right now. And also, I think it might it's going to be higher the percentage further down as we move from like right now. It's more people that have garages that have driveways, but eventually you can have like some city parking folks uh, that more more of them are going to go EVs and and then there's going to be better charging solution for them that's probably going to involve the supercharger network obviously yeah yeah important to check out all, all right, right. Uh, more questions a few more questions uh nico d's very talkative cybertruck reminds me of homer simpson's ideal car design oh yeah no, i remember so that. not a fan uh greg poland will take a cybertruck in red and the last question we have tony rossi question in your experience what are clues what clues are there to watch for as far as when car makers are ready to be delivering cars, like generally after your reservation moves to an order picking options? Well, it, it depends on the automakers, like those that use the dealership network, obviously you're going to get a call from your dealer at one point. Uh, if you have a reservation with them and they, 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 they move the information, they send it to the dealers and all that, depending on the system. And it depends on the automaker and how they deal with their dealership. But normally it will move to the dealers. Uh, when you're getting close to, to delivery. Then you have Tesla, Rivian, Lucid, all those direct to, to consumers. And um, that depends on now what we're seeing from Tesla a lot and from Rivian now recently is like they are moving more onto like a new inventory type of, a, of system. So it can move fast, just like what happened with Seth this week. Thought it was getting a, a car in five months. Now he's getting it like in a week. So signs to look out for is the question i mean read electric so if, if it's a new vehicle program and you want you want to be on top of the when the new vehicle is going to come to, to production you can read electric um but uh for, for companies like if, if you're waiting for like a lucid or a rivian you have to look out for when they have a delivery service center in your region because they don't they don't deliver until until they have that all right all right. Well, that was it for us this week, guys. Thanks a lot for listening to the show. Um, if you do enjoy the show, you can give us a like, a subscribe, uh, hit the notification bell, give us a five-star review, obviously, only if you enjoyed the show. And uh, we're going to see you same time uh, next week.